All right, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone watching online. Uh, so glad to have you with us today. My name is Pastor Brett, for any of you who don't, uh, don't know that. So I just want to begin today uh, by asking you a, a question. And I just kind of want to give a little intro here for our, our whole series, for our fasting and prayer time. So I just want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it for a minute. The question is, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? I just want you to think about that for a minute. How is your prayer life? I just want to be clear when I, when I say prayer life, because lots of times I think when, when we as Christians, we hear that, our, our minds kind of right away go to kind of that, <clears throat> um, that religious, I'm going to say even legalistic obligation that I think we feel that we're supposed to pray a specific amount of minutes every day and pray for the, uh, the lost for this many minutes and pray for this and that for this many minutes and then when we fail to do that, we're bad Christians. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not talking about that. Um, but I'm talking about relationship when I ask you, how's your prayer life? I'm talking about relationship. And I think really to understand that relationship and understand that kind of a prayer life, I think we need to go back to the Garden of Eden and go back to Adam and Eve before the fall. Before they sinned, before there was sin in the world, and, and look at Adam and Eve and look at their prayer life. I, I think that's really where we begin to understand what prayer is all about, right? <clears throat> and, and so just consider what, what do you think their prayer life consisted of, Adam and Eve? Do you think that, that they'd be praying for forgiveness of sin? No, we spend a lot of time praying for that, don't we? Okay, there, there was no sin. Okay, sin didn't exist. Would they be praying for provision? Would they be spending their time praying for provision? No, God created everything they would ever need in six days. On the seventh day, they created them so that they could enter into his rest, into his provision, right? They had everything they needed at their fingertips. So they weren't spending time praying for that. Were they praying for the lost? No, everybody in the world was saved. All two of them, right? Were they praying for their marriage? They were the perfect spouse. They were the perfect friend. They did not know how to be selfish. Can you imagine that? They didn't know how. Selfishness wasn't a thing. So they were not spending time in marriage counseling. Were they praying for all the troubles and trials of their life? <laughs> There were no problems to solve, <laughs> right? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, though, says, That evening they heard the sound of the Lord God 
walking in the garden. See, this was their usual practice that every day in, in the late afternoon or the early evening, Adam and Eve would walk and talk with God. Adam and Eve's entire prayer life was simply walking and talking with the Father. See, that's our primary purpose in prayer. It's about communion with the Father. It's walking and talking with him. It's intimacy. It's closeness. It's fellowship. It's connection with the Father. Right? And of course, we don't live, we don't live in a, a pre-fallen world. We live in a post-fallen world, don't we? So, of course, we're going to pray for all those. So we're going to pray for forgiveness, provision, the lost, all those things, right? That's part of living in a fallen world, but, but they should never replace the initial purpose of prayer, walking and talking with the Father, right? And I really believe that God wants to bring us back to that during this fast, If you read some Bible commentaries, that scripture of Adam and Eve walking with the Lord, that's where we get the expression today, our walk with God, our walk with God. So really when I ask you that question, what's your prayer life like? How's your prayer life going? Really, I'm asking you, how is your walk with the Lord? How's your communion with Jesus How's your conversation with God going? Is, is, is he still the love of your life? How's your heart for the Lord? Do you still desire him and long for him above everything else? Right? And so when I ask that question, how's your prayer life? It's, our prayer life's often a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Right, And it can be a measure. It can be a measure of where we're actually at with God. And I would guess probably that, that most of us don't love the answer to that question. And I would say most of us are probably thinking, I wish if Pastor Brett would mind his own business. <laughs> right? Uh, but over the course of this fasting and prayer time, I really believe that God wants to challenge us in our prayer time. I believe that he wants to set a new course in, in prayer for us, a new course in prayer for us in our relationship with him. And, and I really believe that God wants to take us deeper with him. And, you know, you know I, I just don't want that to be something that we just say in church all the time, you know. But I truly believe God wants to take us deeper. And, and not just deeper from where you presently are, but deeper than you've ever been. And something I felt the Lord tell me, uh, I, felt, I felt God say was that Jesus wants to take us to the place, to the depths, where he was and is with God the Father. How does that sound? Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was an ankle-deep Christian or a knee-deep Christian? Probably, I'm, maybe neither. I think Jesus was 
fully immersed in the Lord. Amen? And I think God wants to take us to that place where we are fully immersed in the Lord. And I think that might make us, some of us a little nervous. But you never have to be afraid of the love of God. To be immersed in him means to be immersed in his love. Hallelujah. And so please hear this. During this time of fasting and prayer, you can go there. You can go to that place where Jesus was because Jesus is our high priest. Is that true? I think God wants to take us back to understanding the privilege and the honor and the pleasure that we have in Jesus that at any given moment, we can enter in to the most holy place, to the holy of holies, to the presence of God, the one who loves us the most. So we're going to start a new series here today. It's called Progressive Prayer. I'm going to explain that in a, in a minute. But let's turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. So if, if you're new to the Bible, we got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is all in the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke is the third book in the New Testament. And, and this portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, this is a lesson on prayer. Okay, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He's challenging their prayer life, okay? And uh, I'm not going to talk for too long. Um, I, know, I know we've had a lot going on today. But let's start here in verse number 1, Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So right away here, we can see that the disciples wanted to go deeper. They wanted to go deeper. Okay? And I know that because the disciples already knew how to pray. They've been praying Jewish custom prayers their whole life. But when they saw Jesus pray, they knew they were missing something. When they saw Jesus talk to God, when they saw the Son talk to the Father, they knew there was more to prayer than what they knew how to do, right? So they already knew how to pray religiously, but they wanted to learn how to talk to God the way that Jesus did. They wanted that kind of relationship with God. And what was the first thing Jesus teaches them in prayer? He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Do you know that word Father was used 15 times in the entire Old Testament? And none of those 15 have to do with, uh, in. It, Sorry, none of those 15 are used as a reference in praying to God. But in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in Jesus' life, he used that word 165 times. And 164 of them were about addressing God as Father in prayer. We've got all these pictures of God in the Bible. 
right? He's creator. He's sovereign Lord. He's mighty God. He's king of all kings. But we can call him dad. Wow. Verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answered, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will, uh, will give him a scorpion did I miss something there? Okay. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay. And so our series is going to be based on, on that portion of Scripture, but specifically in, in verse 9. So when I, when I talk about progressive prayer, with that, I'm not talking about some kind of advanced prayer. Uh, I'm not talking about bringing prayer, you know, up to speed in the 21st century or something like that. Um, but, um, but I'm talking about the progression of prayer that's in Matthew, or sorry, in Luke uh, 11 and verse 9. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Ask. Seek and knock. There's a progression of prayer there, okay? And there's a different intensity with each step of ask, seek, and knock. There's a different intensity, okay? Today we're going to talk about ask, okay? But let me, under, let me help you understand the, the, the difference of intensity. So, and some of you already know this story, but, but when I first uh, saw my wife, I was very interested in my wife. And, and so I began to ask. So I called her sister, Jackie, and because I knew Jackie, or I knew her sister, she went to my church. So I called Jackie, I started to ask some questions about my wife. I, I wanted to, to find out some things, right? So that, that was the first step, is ask. Then I learned that from Jackie, I learned that she worked at La Senza. So now I go from asking, and now I go to seeking, right? So now I'm searching for her, right? See, that's a different intensity than asking, isn't it? Right? So now I'm seeking. So now I go to La Senza at the Cornwall because I'm, I'm searching. I'm searching for my woman. And, and so... 
And so now I've got from asking to seeking, but now I go to knocking. Now I'm going to actually engage her. Now I'm going to, to go into the store. I'm going to go into Lacenza. And, and I'm going to come up with a reason why I'm in Lacenza. <laughs> and then I say, I engage, and I ask, I ask Charity to go out with me. That, that's exactly how that happened. So I asked, then I seek, and then I knock. You see how there's a different intensity, right? Seeking, right? Asking's one thing, but then seeking's another. So when I find her, that's great, but then there's a more intense, even that, engaging, <clears throat> right? And so that's what this series is about, that progression of prayer, ask, seek, and knock, okay? And, and I really believe that God wants, wants our prayer life to include all three of those steps, okay? Um, and so, so today we're going to begin with, with ask. And so in teaching in Luke 11, what Jesus does is he gives us two illustrations, gives us two parables to understand prayer better, to understand God the Father better, really, okay, and, and specifically how to ask in prayer. Remember the first parable was the neighbor asking for some, some bread from his friend, and then the other parable was the son asking his father for food, okay? So we're going to look at those two, and, and real quickly, we're, gonna, we're just going to look at some principles of, of the ask, Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I, I thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for your spirit here. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for working on our hearts. And God, I just pray that we're going to continue just to hear the voice of the Lord today. That's the voice that we want to hear clearly today, Lord. So we just come against anything that's going to prevent us from hearing the voice of the Lord today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's begin with that first parable. It's, it's the neighbor asking for bread. Okay, so in this culture, at this time, in the, in the Bible culture here, we have to understand that hospitality was a primary duty of every citizen. Okay, so, so the people were obligated to set a meal before any guests or any visitors and not having bread, not being a good host, that was a big deal, okay? And so there's no grocery stores. You can't just run out to the grocery store. It's also midnight, right? Although I'm sure there's something open still at midnight now. But his option, so his option was to be a poor, a poor uh, host or be a poor neighbor. And so he chose to be a poor neighbor, okay? Uh, because this would have been a big inconvenience for the neighbor that was sleeping, Okay, because you have to understand the houses at this time were one bedroom, one room, sorry, houses. Okay, so maybe, maybe two-thirds of the, the house would be like a dirt floor. Then there'd be a raised section, and then there'd be another area where there'd be mats on the floor and, and a fire, a charcoal fire, and that's where the family would sleep. So you're knocking on the door. You're not just disturbing the one person. You're disturbing the whole family. And if someone has to get up and... You know, get, you know, start making a ruckus and things like that. That's going to disturb. Everyone's going to wake up. Okay, so this is a big inconvenience for the neighbor. Okay, <clears throat> then it says, I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give you the bread, 
because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he'll surely get up and give you as much as you need. So here's what we need to understand about this parable. This is a clear contrast to who God is. This is a clear contrast. Jesus is making an obvious contrast, actually, of who God is. Okay, here's why. God is never inconvenienced by his children coming to him. Is that true? Okay, God will never say, don't bother me, go away. Right, that's why this is a contrast, okay? James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Isaiah 55 says, come, all who are thirsty, come and drink the water I offer you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all who are weary and, and burdened and I'll give you rest. Remember in Mark chapter 10 when the children wanted to come hang out with Jesus and what the disciples do? They're like, no, 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 you're gonna bother him, right? And, and look what it says in Mark 10, 14. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. It's not like Jesus said, no, no, let him come through. No, he said, are you kidding me? Don't you dare. Don't you dare stop my children from coming to me. Right? And he's the same way today. Right? He gets angry at the thought of someone making us think that we're bothering him when we come to him in prayer. Does that make sense? God wants nothing more than his children to come running to him for every reason. God is approachable. You're never bothering God when you approach him in prayer, but he actually delights in it. He delights in it when we bother him, okay? And I, I don't even like using that word, but let me, let's give you an illustration. So, so let's say my wife Charity comes home one day uh, from work, and she says, uh, she's just really down, her head's down. You just see it in her whole demeanor. She's had a bad day. And she says, you know what? I've just had a really rough day. Some horrible things happened. I feel horrible about it. But I don't want to bother you with that. Okay, here's a way. Here's something I'm never going to, to say. Here's, 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 I'm never going to answer that this way. Good. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sparing me that. Okay, so I'm not going to answer that way for a number of reasons. Okay, uh, one being that I'd like to have sex again in my lifetime. Okay, so that's, that's one. But, but, but hear this though. The idea, the idea that my wife wants to share her heart with me and only me is very special and very precious. And I delight in that. I delight in that. God delights in the ask. Did everybody hear that? God delights in the ask when we bother him. Of course, we're not bothering him. And God wants us to ask him. Okay, in this illustration, this, this parable, it's easy. It, it's very clear the neighbor didn't want to be asked 
for anything in the first place, right? He just wanted to be left alone. Okay, but God encourages us to ask. He encourages us to ask. Even just before this parable, do you know in the Lord's Prayer, there are five different asks. That's Jesus teaching us how to pray, right? So it's okay to ask. God obviously wants us to ask. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's another way to say ask. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that scripture really applies to that parable. This guy is anxious. He's worried. He's fearful. He's got no bread. And the neighbor doesn't care but only gives in because of his shameless audacity. Another translation says annoying relentlessness. But God says you don't have to stress. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. It's not annoying to me when you come. But you can come and you can ask me anything and I'm going to give you peace. We, we have not because we ask not. So we don't have to live in fear and worry, but we can take everything to God in prayer. Does that sound familiar, anything, familiar to anybody? Remember that, that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going I'm to read the lyrics for you. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We can carry everything to God in prayer. Amen? And there's nothing too small or too big. You know, when you think about this parable, it's really not that big of an emergency. It's not like he needs bread because he's hungry or starving or needs to feed his family. He's asking for bread so he can just be a good host, right? And I get that it's a big deal to him, and God understands when it's a big deal to us. But, but let's also understand that everything we take to God is not big for him. It's not big for him. In his ability, it's all small, <laughs> right? He, he can help. He can, he can give you some biscuits the same, just with the same ease as he put the sun in the sky. That's our God. Amen? So nothing's too big for him and nothing's too small for him, but he, he delights when we take everything to him in prayer. Hallelujah. And then immediately following this parable. So Jesus gives this, this stark contrast of who God is. And then immediately he says, so therefore I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door is going to be wide open for you. Because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is going to be open. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. 
So Jesus is saying, God wants you to ask. God's not like this neighbor. You don't have to twist my arm. You don't have to wear me down. You don't have to beg and plead. You can come to me anytime, night and day, and I'm going to give back to you freely, not because of your persistence, but because you're my child. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. And this is what Jesus shows us in the next parable, right? The son asking the father for food. So the first parable was a friend asking a neighbor, but now it's a son asking the father, right? So the difference now is relationship, right? But Jesus starts with another contrast of who God is. Luke 11, and, and verse 11 and 12. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? That's horrible. My son Isaiah is right here. Isaiah asked me for, uh, asked me for some food. Can you have some Burger King? Sure. Here's a rock. Go chew on that. <laughs> what? What is that? That's, that's horrible. Right? So Jesus uses this extreme and absurd example to make his point. Because the, the, the thought of a father giving his child a, you know, a, a stone or a snake or a scorpion, you know, when he simply asks for basic food, like that's, that's reprehensible to us. We can't imagine that any earthly father would do such a horrible thing. But then Jesus makes the contrast for us. He says, if then, though you are evil, when he says evil, he's, he's saying, though you're imperfect, though you make mistakes, though you live in a fallen world, even though, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So how much more would your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? So Jesus is saying, God doesn't just delight in your ask, but he also delights in answering your ask. What a God we serve. Usually, once a week or every couple weeks, I'll get a text from my daughter. It's usually around 11.30 during the week. And the text usually goes something like, hey, pops, want to go for lunch? That's a, that's a good request, isn't it? She's not, she's not asking a bad request. That's a good request. And I'll tell you what, I am so eager to fulfill that request. This is a little dangerous telling her this because she could be texting me this every day now. <laughs> but but and Phil, Pastor Phil can attest to this. When, when I get that, I, I throw everything down and I'm out the door, aren't I? Right? Because I am so eager to fulfill that request. I want to go be with my, my daughter. And the fact that she's asking me, even though I know she just is hungry, but... <laughs> but in my mind, I say, well, my daughter really loves me. And so, and so she's requesting 
and, and I, I draw, I'm so eager, right? But I'm, I'm evil, right? I make mistakes. I've done things and said things that were not in my kid's best interest. Have you ever done that? And so even though I'm evil, I am so excited and so eager to fulfill that request. How much more will my heavenly Father be eager, be willing, be excited to fill my request as his child? How much more will your heavenly Father be willing and excited and eager to fulfill your request. Hallelujah. I love, I love this. Matthew, see, there's two accounts of this, isn't it? This, this ask and seek and knock. And the first one's in Matthew 7. And, and uh, Matthew seven eleven says, If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But in Luke 11, it doesn't say that God will give us good gifts, but he'll give us what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And now, the first time I I realized this, that there was a difference between these, I'll be honest with you, my mind went, I'd rather have what I asked for. (laughs) I mean, the the Holy Spirit's great, but I'd rather have the thing I asked for, you know, that's where my mind went. But I'm not spiritual like all of you. Okay? Um, but, but really what God is saying here is that God is always going to give us what we need. Right? And so we might ask for counsel. But God can do better than that. He doesn't just give us counsel. He gives us the counselor. Right? We ask for comfort. And God says, I can do so much better than that. I can give you the comforter. We ask for provision. And God says, I love that you asked me that. But I want to give you so much more than what you've asked for. I want to give you the provider. Wow. What a God we serve. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God gives us him. That's the answer. That's the reward to every ask. God gives us him. He's the answer. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So the two things, I told you I wasn't going to talk for very long. I did okay. So the two things that I felt like God wanted you to know today about the ask. Okay? And it was hard for me to do two things. I'll be honest with you. Okay? But the two things I felt like God saying was, God loves it when you ask. And number two, God loves to answer your ask. Does that sound good? Amen. I'm just going to invite our worship team forward at this time. And so as they're coming, they're, they're going to play a song. And, and during this song, I just want us to have some time, just us and the Lord. Okay. And um, I, think, I think one of the reasons why, why we don't always receive answers in prayer is because I think sometimes 
we, not, we might not be asking for the right thing. Even though we're asking with good intentions, even though we, we think we're asking God's will on something, I think it's so important for us to ask God what we should ask. Does that make sense? Because, because there's, he's all-knowing. And there's some things about a situation, a person's heart, whatever, that we don't know. So we might be asking with good intentions and asking what we think is God's will, but there might be something beneath the surface that, that God's more focused on, that, that God cares more about, that God needs to see happen before that surface, surface thing is going to happen. And so what I think we need to do is in this time, let's, let's first just say, God, help me with the ask. What do I need to ask? What should I be asking in this, for this person, in this situation, in this battle, in this struggle, in my heart, God, in my heart? What, what should I be asking? And then let's ask. And let's expect that we have a good father who delights in answering the ask. Amen? Does that sound good? So let's just spend some time, just you and the Lord. Let's spend some time in the ask.